What's up, everybody? And welcome to my podcast, Ladies, Let's Talk About Sex. I'm your host, Felicia, and I'm a lady talking about sex. So this week, we have a very special guest. Her name is Maddie. Maddie, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Maddie. I'm marketing manager of Emojibator Vibrators. We specialize in emoji-inspired vibrators. Um, I'm located in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but I grew up in a small town, so a small town girl living in a big world, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and this week we're going to talk about pleasure education. Um, So Maddie, I wanted to ask you what pleasure education means to you. Yeah, um, I think pleasure education is really important. It puts pleasure at the forefront of sexual education, which is important for people, especially women, who are raised to think that their pleasure isn't as important as the male counterparts. And this can lead to unsatisfying experiences with sex in general and, in worst case scenarios, assault. But with pleasure education, it's easier to see what's right and wrong and set important boundaries. I definitely think that's really awesome. So... Did you ever have any personal experience with pleasure pleasure education in your youth? Were you ever taught about this in your sex ed? Uh, unfortunately, I think I had the exact opposite of that. Uh, my parents didn't really talk about sex, and my school's health education was very, don't get pregnant just to trap your boyfriend. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I remember most about it. Or like, here's some M&Ms to show you how easy it is to get STDs. Um, Wait, can you elaborate on that? I've never heard about that. The M&M thing? No. Okay, so like they give you M&Ms and everyone has like one color and then some people have yellow M&Ms and you go around the room like sharing M&Ms with like dumping your M&Ms in someone's cup and them dumping their M&Ms in your cup and mixing it around. And by the end, like everyone has like some yellow M&Ms mixed in and they're like yeah that's how easy it is to get stds like the yellow m&ms represent stds and which is like so backwards because first of all like um most stis are treatable and they're not like this horrible shameful thing and they ignore the fact that there are ways to prevent it such as using condoms etc well, that's that's definitely something unique. I've never heard about that before. But uh yeah, like I said, small town, um very Christian. Mm. Uh yes. Um so I guess circling back to pleasure education, yeah. who do you think it benefits most if not everyone? Oh, I think it does benefit everyone because if you feel confident in your sexuality and pleasure, and you're able to share that with your partner who has a similar amount of confidence, it can be so sexy, you know, like you're able to like fully explore yourself and each other with them because you both are prioritizing not only their their, their pleasure, but yours as well. No, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, how, like, how do we start, how would we begin putting pleasure at the forefront of sex education. Where do you think we begin? (laughs) With kids, I think. Um, With like the Generation Z, I believe that's what they're called, Gen Z, 
Mm-hmm. Um, they're so smart. They know how to use the internet to their advantage. A lot of them are so woke, as you can see, um, just how they've been standing up for climate, anti-shooting, etc. Um, I think that like finding way to reach kids and teaching them and giving them resources so that they can teach themselves about the importance of pleasure and the importance of prioritizing that for themselves. Um, it's a great way to get started to like reshape how society will see sex in the future. Yeah, for sure. And how do you, cause I know for me, I only learned kind of really late into my early adult life that uh, sex was pleasurable for women. Mm-hmm. So how do you think integrating that at the forefront is going to affect women and their sexuality? I think it's going to prevent a lot of bad experiences such as like, I don't know about you, but I know a lot of women that haven't ever experienced an orgasm or are just starting to experience that. Um, I myself, because I wasn't taught pleasure, um, my first sexual experiences were non-consensual in the sense of an older boy was like, oh, you have to do this because that makes you a good girlfriend, you know? So like I've, I'm like 10 years later having to reteach my body what pleasure is because my body associates uh, pleasurable things with trauma. So I think it'll save a lot of people, specifically uh, females from um, experiencing trauma because they'll learn that like how to say no. And how to be like, okay, this boy or this person is manipulating me and this is not right. And that if it doesn't feel good for me, then it's not okay. And I'm allowed to be like, hey, no, this isn't working for me. Yeah, no, that's definitely super important. And I really appreciate you um, kind of letting us in a little bit into your life. Um <laughs> In that regard, because I think a lot of women have the same experience in that sense. I actually spoke to uh, a woman a couple weeks back, Katie, in our third episode, who talked about, um, you know, kind of having sex just for her partner and it being really not pleasant um, and then actually having to have an abortion because she didn't really understand what was going on. And she just thought that this was kind of her due diligence as a woman. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of women have the same experience in that sense. Um, And I think it would really benefit, especially young girls uh, Mm -hmm. in high school, kind of learning this type of learning their sexuality. And I actually wrote a piece for Emoji Bader um, about why I should have masturbated before I lost my virginity. And I think that that was something that because I was never taught that that was normal or that was something that was expected or I should have kind of done before I had sex. Um, My first like sexual experience was very just like, I kind of just let the guy do whatever. And not that it was an an entirely negative experience, but I, I really should have known more about my own body and what felt good for me. I kind of just like, was like, all right, here I am. Have sex with me. And like, you know, you don't think like, I didn't know at the time, like, what was going to be good for me or what I even liked. I kind of just let him do whatever. And maybe what he was doing was good for another person, but it it was not good for me. That's for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think young girls, 
should be encouraged to masturbate and explore their bodies in a safe and healthy manner. Um, just because, yeah, like we need a way to learn about our bodies. I know like anytime I even thought about masturbating, I felt like that heat of shame of like, oh my God, like God is laughing at me. So I just did it. And it was the same about my sexuality. Like every time I thought about, like I fought, caught myself thinking about girls, I'd be like, oh my God, no, that's disgusting. Like you're straight, like don't think that way. And so like, I really suppressed myself in a way that ended up hurting me and leading to a lot of trauma. Not that it's my fault that I was sexually assaulted. It was more that I was more susceptible to it because I just didn't know better. There was no, there were no resources to go to saying, Hey, like exploring your body is good, you know? And like you said, like this happens to a lot of us. Most of us have had these experiences of like trauma, et cetera, um, because we weren't encouraged to explore our bodies. Yeah. And I definitely think that it's important too to point out the huge double standard, um, that we kind of see in, in young men and boys, they're kind Mm -hmm. of from a young age. I talk about, um, in in our first episode where I talk about my sexual education experience, I remember in, in the little sex ed book that we kind of had, um, there was a part of the book that explained that young boys are going to touch themselves. Uh, but there was never a part in the book that explained young girls were going to touch themselves and they should touch themselves. So I feel like that also plays a huge, um, role in teaching, you know, pleasure education. And, um, you know, men are kind of always, they've always been encouraged to pleasure themselves and masturbate and jerk off. And it's kind of like, you know, ingrained in locker room talk and that kind of situation. And women are never taught or never encouraged. And honestly, friends don't really discuss this. I only started discussing this with my friends in my early 20s, maybe when I was 19. And like, I was having sex before that. Some of my friends were having sex before that, but we didn't discuss, you know, having, you know, masturbating with ourselves or having sex with ourselves. So it was kind of like a huge, I think a huge double standard there. Oh, definitely. And like, look at the media. I mean, I grew up like I was a teenager in the early 2000s and there were like, all the movies were like super bad and like American Pie, which might have been 90s, I'm not sure. But like, it was all cool back then of like, boys masturbating with pies and joking about their wieners and stuff. And I know, like, I remember speaking uh, with my female friends about like our first sexual experiences and like, who's a good girl and swallows and who's a sissy and like spits and stuff. And that's what we talked about and never about like, exploring our own bodies and now like it definitely has changed like we have a little bit more media with women and girls exploring their bodies but um and like as adults definitely like I've started like talking to my friends well my friends know that that I'm the friend to come to when they want to find a new sex toy or like is this normal and stuff and like I love being that friend now but I wish that we had been that way when we were younger too no, for sure. I've definitely become that friend as well. And it's, it's very ironic, because I, I thought for a long time that I was going to be a virgin until marriage. And that was kind of my own narrative. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of had all these experiences that shifted my own narrative and my own 
you know, outlook on my sexuality. I was raised Catholic too. So that definitely influenced a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's so frustrating that even, you know, 10, 20 years ago, when women would discuss these types of topics, it was kind of to pit one against each other, or who's who's the better girlfriend, or who's the better lover for their partner. It was never like, are you having good sex? Are you having orgasms? Are you, do you yeah. know your body? Like, whereas men are like, oh yeah, like I I did this and I did that and it was mm-hmm. great and I came and I did all these things. Yeah, so I definitely think that this conversation is so important to have and it's we're kind of I feel so not tired but it feels it doesn't feel normal for me to like have to push for this type of conversation but because we've been so negated especially women it's you know it's a challenge that we kind of have to overcome in changing the education and changing the narrative and changing the conversations we even have with our girlfriends. But I think it's definitely so important. Yeah. And so if you personally, if you think like this is now hypothetical, but if you received pleasure education as a young girl, maybe in your, you know, early adolescence, how do you think that would have changed some of your sexual encounters or sex explorations uh as you were kind of growing up um I definitely think that I um might have come out of the closet earlier instead of waiting till I was like 23 to 27 because I had like two coming outs um I also think I wouldn't have let myself become manipulated um and I would have masturbated earlier than 19 (laughs) in my college dorm, you know, (laughs) I think that like, it would have helped me so much in having a healthier relationship with my body and my sexuality overall. No, I, I think that's (laughs) so great. I, I, I too started masturbating at 19, which is like so late and so ridiculous to me because it's like you read books and boys are talking about touching themselves at seven years old and then I'm 19 you know 12 years later yeah I figuring it out (laughs) yeah I have to give a shout out to my college boyfriend we were together from freshman year to junior year and I only started masturbating because of him like he was the I have to say he was the best thing that ever happened to me during that time um Like, he was the one that would, like, he was so into, like, exploring my body in a non-sexual way, which encouraged me to explore my body. Um, And he was the one that was like, oh, like, you should buy a vibrator and try masturbating. You'll really like it. And, like, he took me to buy my first vibrator. And he helped show me, like, like, how to, like stimulate my clit and I was just like oh my god like I've been masturbating ever since obviously like I have I work for a sex toy company and it all goes back to Hiro that's literally his name Hiro uh he's Japanese but he like shout out to Hiro for like teaching me how to masturbate and like making me the woman I am today and really encouraging me to explore my pleasure so yeah it's amazing that's the best story I've ever heard in my life right (laughs) (laughs) 
my god. It's like, are you an angel from heaven? Like, I'm so happy that he has found someone that he's like so in love with and has a good relationship with because he like deserves every second of that. Like (laughs) (laughs) Oh my I I love that story so much. And it's always those hidden gems that we kind of overlook. But that's incredible. Right? Like, it's just like, I'm so lucky to have had that experience in my life, especially since like, he's a dude, he was a man raised in America and American society. But he was just like, No, like, I'm gonna prioritize my girlfriend's pleasure because I think that's sexy as hell. And I it was just like, this is amazing. (laughs) That's incredible. Can I ask and you can definitely say no, but how did he how was he when he was exploring your body in a non sexual way? Like, how did that kind of come about oh he would just be like can I like just look at your vagina and I'd be like um okay and so I would just sit there in bed like with no pants on and he would just like like look around and like it was fun he let me do the same thing with like his penis and his balls and like I was just to be able to just like check him out and be like oh my god like that's so weird that like like the testicles are just like loose in the sack or whatever, you know, like it was educational, you know, and it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't sexual at all. Like, yeah, we had sex and we had sexual moments with each other's genitals, but also we felt comfortable and just like exploring each other's bodies and like getting FaceTime, I guess, to really understand each other's bodies. No, that's that's honestly incredible. And as I'm as I'm doing these podcasts, I'm reading books and, you know, looking at, you know, anatomy and diagrams and blah, blah, blah. But it's it's actually so interesting to take the time to like look at your body parts and because vaginas and vulvas look so different. Um, oh, yeah. And there's that thing that every psychologist kind of says, if you put your vulva in a room Uh, Would you be able to, like, out of 100 vulvas, would you be able to point out your own? It's like, no, I couldn't. I have no idea. Like, I I wouldn't be able to. But it's it's having that, like, human experience and interaction really gets you to understand, like, where certain parts are. Yeah. uh, What your body does. I actually had a conversation with my roommate the other day. And she, she thought her clit was her pee hole. No. And I had to explain, in, she's going to hate me that I said this, but I had to sit down with her and we both were like, we're just wearing pants, but I spread my legs and I was like, this is where your clit is, this is where your pee hole is, and this is where your vagina is, and they're different things. And she was like, oh my God, thank yeah, you. <laughs> your clit's a whole organ in itself that like goes all the way back to wrapping around your vagina. And... Um, it's the most incredible organ I think we have in our body. It's the only organ created for pleasure. I'm currently reading Akira's History of Sex by Kate Lister. Highly recommend. Um, every chapter is amazing. She defines like the history of the word cunt, the history of the word whore. Uh, she goes into how it was only until 2009-2010 when scientists fully realized like how the clit works and how like all orgasms are actually clitoral and I'm just like 2000 motherfucking 10 are you <laughs> kidding me I was just like I had, wasn't even a virgin at that time like oh my god I was so like angry at the world for like ignoring 
female bodies for the and like denying us our pleasure because they're so intimidated by it that it took till 2009 2010 i'm just like oh no i'm i'm shaking my head my newfound kind of fascination is the g spot and how it literally doesn't exist it's the c spot it literally is where like your clitoris literally what happens is it expands when it's being like when it's aroused and so the friction of whatever you're being penetrated with is rubbing against your expanded clit and that's what the g-spot is but technically the c-spot it's just a different type of simulation of your clitoris no it's it's so and like i was reading about like the studies done Mm-hmm. where this this term got kind of coined by this German doctor and they studied like a hundred women and like this was yeah. like in the 1900s and like they had no facts and he was just like yup this is the spot women orgasm yeah and, and like and it's so after himself yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did this of course my man penis can make you come and that's it but you know what can make you come? Vibrators from Emojibator. That's right. Emojibator is a fun and affordable collection of vibrators inspired by the sexiest emojis, which makes them even better. That means eggplants, chili peppers, bananas, and pickles. They even have a line of affordable animal toys like a kitty cat, chickies, and whales that do a whole bunch of naughty things. Two words. Mind blown. And they're partnering with us to give every one of our listeners a special discount of 15% off everything in their store using the code HEYLADIES. So make sure to find all their body safe toys for pleasure at www.emojibater.com. And don't forget to use the code HEYLADIES to get your 15% off everything in their store. And on top of that, we are partnering with them to do a giveaway on our Instagram. So check us out at Ladies Let's Talk About Sex on Instagram for more details about how to win a very sexy, spicy banana emoji baiter vibrator on our Instagram. All right, let's get back to the episode. It's so interesting how we know so little about our bodies, but also science knows so little about Yeah, it's just like Sigmund Freud which is such an asshole (laughs) um believe that like clitoral orgasms were juvenile and to be a real woman you had to orgasm through penetration it's like just because you're insecure about your dick game doesn't mean that like (laughs) orgasms are lesser I mean, Freud had enough problems with his mom. I really think he should have just stayed out of having sex yeah. with him. He should have just kept himself and figured his own oh, problems God, out. Yes. But, but it's it's so it's so incredible to me and it's it's so frustrating that so many women feel so defeated because they can't have orgasms through penetrative sex, but it's literally the only reason why we feel defeated is because Unfortunately, and you know, there's the dime in the dozen like hero, but unfortunately men have kind of gone around and said, my magical dick is going to make you orgasm. Mm-hmm. When in reality, we don't even need a penis to no. orgasm. And like, yeah. And <laughs> I just wish more women, and I wish I knew that five yeah. years oh, ago, yeah, honestly. Definitely. 
I would have benefited so much from that advice. Uh, yeah. Well, I gave up from like penetrative orgasms just because I was just like, yeah, no, thank you. I'd rather just come from my clit. That's my happy spot. Give me a vibrator and leave me alone. <laughs> but then I realized I was gay and that was like part of the problem. So. That that might have played a, a little bit of a factor. Why know? do I want the man on top of me to die? And it's like, because I wish they were a woman or someone non-binary. That's why. Oh, amazing. So if you don't mind me asking... Um, because you you spoke about yeah. coming out um, uh, in your like mid twenties, if I'm mm-hmm. not wrong, um, and how like pleasure education would have helped you kind of do that. Do you want to maybe like elaborate more on like kind of your apprehension to coming out and kind of how you felt prior to? Yeah, and how maybe like exploring or having an open conversation surrounding sex would have encouraged you to. Um, kind of come out a little sooner or maybe feel more comfortable talking to people yeah. about that? So like I've been doing a ton of thinking about this because I only came out as a lesbian this November at 27 years old. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I've done a lot of soul searching on that. And I think part of it starts with when I was really little, one of my memories is being in the car with my mom and my sister and my sister just saying like, when I grow up, I want to marry a girl because boys are gross. And my mom's reaction was so like, oh, my God, my daughter might be gay. Like, this is so bad. And her and my dad being like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And just me associating. They might have been worried that she might have, like, dealt with bullies or stuff. And, like, my sister's actually straight. She just thought boys were gross back then. Uh <laughs> I still think boys are gross. I'm straight. So, um, but yeah, I think like I internalized that, and like growing up in a small town where like um, people just didn't come out, and the ones that did, it was like, oh, like they're just doing it for attention. That I like shoved my emotions so deep down that I didn't even acknowledge that they were there. Like I said uh, earlier, like I would like be like fantasizing and I would end up fantasizing about me kissing a girl. And then I get really embarrassed and I would correct that in my own head. And, but like looking back, there were signs everywhere. Like when I would go to Girl Scout camp, I would make tons of friends, you know, but there was always one girl that I would like hone in on and be like, wow, I really want to be her friend. But I never had like the guts to like become her friend. And I'm like, Madeline, that was a crush. And like, yeah, or like watching, um, I recently rewatched The Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan. And like the the one of the first scenes where the tie-dye girl pulls out the luggage. Like for some reason, that is a scene that sticks in my head still. Like when I think Parent Trap, that's what I think. And it's because I was gay for her. <laughs> or like the American Lindsay Lohan was just such like it was there were so many gay undertones in the when they were at camp that it was just like like I could feel like the hot lesbian shame just rewatching it as an adult and being like, oh shit, like it was always there. And then the like when I got to college, like obviously I dated guys, I slept with tons of guys. Um 
but my senior year, I came out like in the spring with one of my good friends. Like we both came out as bisexual at the same time. And I was working at an internship that was like a, it was a social media agency, but it was like, um, known to be very LGBTQ friendly is founded by two, uh, white gay men. And when my friend and I came out, we felt comfortable sharing it in the office there. We were both interns there. Uh, the co-founder was like, Oh honey, bisexuality isn't real. You're just one step towards being a lesbian. Um, which was definitely invalidating. Cause I was like, wait, what? <laughs> And then I was really confused and it wasn't until like this November when I did some soul searching and like, I had been like promised myself I wasn't going to date men anyway. Anyways, I was tired of it. I did not like men. I was just like, this is traumatizing for me. I have so much trauma with like penises and men in general that I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And then my roommate was reading one of my journals from college that I had let her borrow. And she's like, Maddie, I think you might be gay. And like, I was sitting there with her, I just started crying. And I was like, holy shit. Like, but then I was like, what are people gonna think? Because for the longest time, I'm like, I'm bi, like, blah, blah, blah. And like, I have such a long, I've been with so many men. Um, that I thought like people would be like, no, you're not like you have this history with men. Like you're clearly not a lesbian. And, but I told my dad and he's like, yeah, I know, <laughs> which was oh. really validating. But now that's right? so sweet. Though. Right. And it's like, I found solace in the term lesbian, but right now, like, um, I have what I call my quarantine boyfriend they're non-binary, assigned female at birth, but like, um, and they're just like, they're, they're not too comfortable with me identifying as lesbian. We've had lots of like talks about this. And I'm just like, I don't know, because like, I really like non-binary people um, that are AFAB. And like, um, I think they're really hot. And I like, like sexual androgyny and just I don't know it's like but it's okay to like change what you identify as I think I'm gonna stick with lesbian for a while to like really drive home the fact that like I just don't want to be with men uh I'm not attracted to them they they scare me um I'm not interested and like it I might change what I identify as eventually to like fit in non-binary folks. But for now I feel most comfortable in the term lesbian and that's okay. It's fine. It's people change all the time. So I'm okay with it. No, I think that's like way more than okay. I think from like the experiences you've like happily shared mm -hmm. with us, I think that especially because, you know, we we know so little about women and we're half of the population yeah. the the health community and the lgbtq plus community there's we're still oh, yeah and we're we're still evolving and we're changing and even the acronym has changed over the past five years so i i i'm sure that eventually there's gonna there's gonna be something that clicks for you and you're like that's who i am maybe that happens in five years maybe that happens when you're 65 but i even think labels are so I just feel like, you know what, if you're living your best life and you're happy and you're having, you know, a sex positive experience and you're, 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 you're just, you're content with what's going on in your life. I don't care what you, 
identify with that's your business and it's not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I really appreciate you sharing that experience. It, it makes my heart hurt so much because I have so many, you know, LGBTQ plus friends who have had experiences like mm-hmm. this or they felt shame or I went to Catholic school. So, you know, the Catholics really oh, don't yeah. drive with the LGBTQ plus community, which is so, anyways, that's a different, oh. that's a different podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I get that. My roommate was raised Catholic and she's a lesbian to her core. And she says still sometimes she'll be with a woman and expect God to just strike her down in the moment. <laughs> yeah. it's, and it's so frustrating. And it's it just makes, you know, that part of your sexual exploration even harder because you're trying to please other yeah. people alongside yourself. And it, it has nothing to do with anyone else besides yeah. you and your partner. Yeah, I think it's important so, to be open about it um, so that people hear your story and then they feel more comfortable in who they are. That's why I'm so open because I want people to hear like whether it's like the assault I've survived or like my journey with my sexuality. Like I want people to hear that and be like, oh, wow, I like relate in this and I feel less alone now. No, I, I completely agree with you. That was kind of the whole reason why I started this podcast mm-hmm. too because I just found that it was ridiculous to me how I would I started talking about my experiences and some unfortunate situations I had to go through and process and my friends would come up to me and say like, I've had a very similar experience or even um, like women on the street when I would talk about ladies, let's talk about sex, they would be like, you know what, when I was 15, I experienced this and I was just like, holy shit, that's that's a lot of trauma and we're not even having an open conversation Uh, around that. And it doesn't even have to be abuse. It can just be, you know, harassment or, you know, coming out of the closet or just experiencing sex for the first time. Like every woman, every person has had a first in one way or another. And it's, I think it's time to just open up the conversation. Yeah. Release the taboos. But yeah. um, I... I always ask my my guests, um, what is something – I like to ask for the younger listeners mm-hmm. because I'm sure there are some 16, 17, 18-year-old yeah. girls. I'm sure I would have been one of them, you know, five years mm-hmm. ago. Um, but what is something you wish you learned during your sex education? Ha- the strength of no. Um, and to not fear it just to make others happy. Um, Like, I think I'm still afraid to tell people no, whether it's sexually or uh, just being there for a friend and like boundary, like no is such a healthy boundary to have Um, and a great way to start with boundaries and like knowing that no won't lose you anything. And if someone leaves your life because you tell them no, then they weren't meant to be in it to begin with because they don't respect your boundaries. So like I, if like, if I had told like 15 year old me, like Maddie, like you can say no, if it doesn't feel good, if you don't want to do it. Um, and like, if you lose him because of it, like he didn't actually love you, you know? Like, I think that mm-hmm. would have, like, helped me a lot. And so if there's younger uh, people listening, like, 
like stand firm in that word, love that word, embrace that word. And when other people tell you no, respect it. And like try to see where they're coming from, why they're saying no. I think that's so that's so well spoken. Um, it's actually kind of funny the one of the other podcasts that I recorded, one of the advice that um, she gave was the power of yeah. no. And I think, I think it's, it's something that as women, we have to yes. learn. Uh, I think we're so conditioned to please and to give and to take care. And I think that standing your ground and feeling empowered and, and doing that. And I think I, I really hope that when I have daughters, I teach them the power of no, it might come and backfire me a little <laughs> after I have kids, but I really hope that you know, they, young girls feel the power, yeah. uh, feel their power when they say no and, and stand their ground and um, really value their, their boundaries. Yeah. And, and their sexuality, I think, too, because I think we kind of have thought for a long time that pleasure is for our partner and not for oh, us. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think, I, I think changing that narrative and that conversation would be so helpful mm-hmm. um, as we kind of move forward and hopefully raise the next generation with a better understanding of their bodies and also their partner's bodies. Cause we got to teach the boys. Oh too. yeah. Uh, <laughs> we need to learn how to listen to know and how to respect like female bodies in general. We are, we are people too. Like it doesn't matter if we're a sister, a wife, a cousin, a friend, we're human beings first. And like, because sometimes people are like, oh my God, I have a sister. So I understand like this. And it's like, you shouldn't have to have a woman in your life to know how to respect women. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think just taking even gender out of it and looking at everyone as humans is like something that we need to really reinstate in our brains and our minds oh yeah and like gender is made up anyways it isn't real (laughs) like it's it's a societal thing um to keep people in their places especially specifically women and like I I choose to identify as women because I well I'm assigned female at birth obviously but like also like the history of women I love it you know like the fights and the struggles we've been through to get where we are today and where we're going, which is why I still play this gender game kind of, because I'm just like, I'm proud of the history, but in the end, like gender doesn't matter. It's not real. No, I I completely agree with you. And I think it's, it's such a beautiful thing to, you know, kind of like be a part of this female community and, and kind of accept everyone and and look back at our you know the the past people who have overcome so much and like the things that women were going through literally 35 years ago is ridiculous to oh me. yeah uh, I don't know if I would do well <laughs> I'm really glad I was born in the 90s it makes me really excited yeah. for my future but um even the things that like my grandparents went through oh yeah my, especially my, my grandmother um, and the life that she had to live and she didn't really have an option. Yes. Um, I really feel like a part of my womanhood is to kind of make a better way for the women that are going to follow me. Yeah. 
So I, yeah, I really, I really loved this conversation. I really appreciate you sharing so much. I think it's so helpful. Yeah. Um, and super beneficial for all of our listeners. Um, because you never know who's listening. And yeah. You never know who has a parallel story to yours. Yeah, right? exactly. And I want to be able to have like people reach out to me and be like, hey, I have this question or like, hey, you like you helped me in this way realize this, you know, like, that's like what I want. I want people to come to me and be able to like, feel comfortable and like, just help like having to ask for help. Sorry. Feel comfortable to like yeah, ask for help. Okay. Like recently, my cousin, she was raised super religious, um, which comes with its own issues, obviously, like we talked about. And she had sex for the first time. And I was the person, like, we're not very close, but I was the person she reached out to to say, hey, like, we use a condom, but like, I'm having this discharge. Like, am I going to get pregnant? And me helping her through the steps and being like, if you want to take plan B, take plan B. But this is what you like, you should take the day off to really self care because it's a huge dose dosage of hormones that's going to send you out of whack and like I want people to feel comfortable whether they're strangers or family to reach out to me and be like hey I have this question can you help me no I think that's amazing um do you have a place or a social media platform you want to maybe put out there so that people can kind of find you and ask you these questions via dm yeah definitely (laughs) I'm on instagram it's it's battling bad two underscores e l y n. Um, get ready to see some nudes because I love my body. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that yeah. so much. I'm just like whatever. Like if you're gonna judge me for my naked body, like that's your problem. But yeah, if people want to slide into my DMs, I'm down to like chat and make new friends and like help people out. I love that. That's so great. I definitely think that that's gonna, I definitely think some people are gonna find your DMs and, you know, whether they're hitting on you or asking for uh, some, some suggestions or even some girl talk. I know that some people don't have um, kind of a good group of friends that they feel comfortable. So even reaching out to a stranger sometimes is a lot more helpful than maybe reaching out to a friend. Yeah. Um, so it's different for everyone. Definitely. But uh I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and chatting with me and sharing your stories and your experiences. Um, I, I'm so grateful uh, for like my platform and what I'm able to do and the people I'm able to virtually meet. I, I would love to have met you in person, but you know, with the situation, we kind of yeah. have to make do. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's all virtual. We're all living in the circle right now. The Netflix show, The Circle slash Love is Blind. (laughs) Uh, I really, I really do appreciate you um, coming on the podcast. Uh, Did you have any final words or declarations you'd like to make before we sign off? I want to say thanks for having me. Um, Everyone check out masturbationmonth.com. It's the month of May. So it's us at Emojibator's busiest time of the year. Um, we're celebrating with 31 days of pleasure. It's really exciting. Um, we just got put, had an article about us put in Rolling Stone. So we're like famous now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So so I encourage everyone to check it out. Um, 
Let us know like what articles are inspiring you. If you have any stories you want to share about your own experiences with masturbation, I'd love to share um, on Emojibator. Uh, but yeah, thanks for having me too. I really had fun doing this. Oh, thanks, Maddie. I really appreciate it. Uh, so I just wanted to remind everyone to tune in every Monday on Apple Podcast or Spotify for new Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast episodes with some very special guests. Make sure to follow us on our Facebook page and Instagram at Ladies Let's Talk About Sex. And if you're feeling extra giving, give us five stars on iTunes or write a review. Uh, let us know how you're feeling and we'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>